Welcome to Debating Dating, a podcast with me, Rachel Graham. And me, Mark Jennings. We're two single friends, and every episode we'll be discussing our differing perspectives on an aspect of modern dating. We'll be sharing our honest insights and experiences as platonic pals who are not afraid to give each other the unvarnished truth. Or laugh at each other's bullshit. So, this week, we are going to be talking about being single. Basically, is the topic for this one. We're talking about single life being maybe you're the single one in your group of pals, you've been the perpetually single one throughout the years, or, you know, you've kind of been a bit more single than you've maybe been in a relationship. Maybe that's how you relate to this one, but all sorts of aspects to that. To start off, I think it would be remiss of me not to acknowledge that this really is a tribute to the newly single Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. (laughs) After the the sad passing of her long term partner, DMX the rapper. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> so Lizzie, if you're feeling a wee bit alone, don't worry. There's plenty of folk on your boat haven't been single and all that, and that's what we're going to talk about this week. <laughs> that was really beautiful, Mark. <laughs> well, you know, heartfelt. You know, it's heartfelt. Yeah. So. Yeah. But. <laughs> but <laughs> so no, we're, we're talking about that. So it's it's basically just. As I say, kind of like folk, if they've been single for a long time, and it's that feeling into it and just these aspects of life that come up when you're the single one. That happens to us a lot in that when you're viewed as the single one, I think your friends kind of want to help out and they want to like set you up or it's more sometimes I think sometimes people want you to be with someone so that you can like double date or whatever. And I think that there's different, you can have different relationships to being single. Do you know what I mean? Like you can go through times of being like, I feel so independent. I feel so good. And I know that I have all this freedom because I don't really need to answer to anyone. I can do exactly what I want. And that could be like your career or just like holidays or general stuff like that. Um, And then there's other times where you're going, oh my God, this would be really nice if I could share this with someone in like a romantic capacity. Oh, I think we live in a a society that's quite, it's still quite couple orientated, isn't it? It's like, you know, there's all the cliches, you know, other half or that shit, where it's like, it's basically you need someone else to make you feel complete. And there is a sort of feeling if you are single that like, oh, that's a shame. Oh, hopefully you'll meet someday, all that kind of stuff. Whereas I think what we want to promote in this one is that it's fine to be single and actually can be a lifestyle choice or it can just be you know you can just be happy being in that but I think what we're we're probably going to be talking about a bit and certainly in the submissions that we've received is is that kind of awkward nature of being the single one and it's sort of being a bit looked down upon in society or something I wonder sometimes if that's projection like I used to think you know that my mates that were in couples would sort of look down on me or maybe I would just feel insecure because I was the single one without a partner compared to them but I think there's a lot of wee things like that that come up that we'll discuss in this episode that can all relate to that feeling yeah and I think our society like you said it's like you aren't complete if you're not with someone when someone's single often we think that that's a reflection on you. So like, it's that thing of being like, oh, I don't understand why you're single. And it's like, well, there's actually lots and lots of layers to that. Like maybe I'm choosing to be single or the kind of thing of being like, oh, well, no one else wanted you if you're single. And it's that thing of being like, well, actually it's not a reflection on, it's not a reflection on you. It might be like where you are in your life and stuff like that. 
Yeah, that's true. Although I used to have a joke where I would say, like, it's, if you ever hear anyone say, I don't know why I'm single, you always think to yourself, well, I, I fucking know, know. why. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like everybody else knows why they're single, but it's too harsh to say, basically. <laughs> No, that is so true. Especially in like Bridget Jones and all that, where you're kind of like all that kind of crazy cat lady and all that awful, the kind of stereotypes of that. Well, there's that, that's that classic scene from Bridget Jones that kind of sum, sums it up, isn't it? It's like, I can't remember what happens. Is it the bit they're away in like a trip or something? And basically, she's in that, she's at a dinner party and she's like With the only single one. Yes. It's that, that is exactly the feeling, isn't it? That Bridget Jones thing. Totally. And then actually, when you look at it, like she had a really cool flat. She had like a great job. Like she was kind of boss and she had like a really nice group of friends. But it was that very 90s thing of being like, oh, poor Bridget's in her 30s and she's not coupled up. And it's like, we're beyond that now. And she's shagging fucking Colin Firth and Hugh Grant or whoever else. Is it Hugh Grant? Yeah, Hugh Grant, yeah. Aye, Colin Firth and Hugh Grant, that's pretty good options. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Well, she's like, really that's... sexy. This is the thing. I think Bridget Jones is like beautiful. So like, well, it's because think... it's actually, just to reveal to you, Rachel, Bridget Jones is actually an actress called Reese Witherspoon. Uh, she's not, <laughs> it's not like a documentary or something. Is that, is that a joke? Because it's Renee Zellweger. Is it? All right, whatever. Same thing. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> But for this episode, so we're, we're going to be joined by comedian uh, Josh Jones, who's going to is going to join us and talk through the submissions and stuff like that, and give his own view on it all. So looking forward to that. Uh, we've got some fun submissions as ever this week. So we hope you enjoy our episode on being single. Welcome to the show, then, Josh Jones. Thanks so much for for joining us, Josh. How's it going, man? Uh, yeah, it's all right. Not too shabby. In this episode, but we're kind of talking about just being single and all that kind of just generally like so how's your last year been um in terms of dating life so right i was living at the beginning of lockdown with my partner and we split up the first week of lockdown oh my um so and then spent seven months separated but living in the same one bedroom (laughs) wow But it was a brilliant breakup and we're still dead good friends. And we didn't argue once. We was going to split up anyway, but I'd not been home for a month, so we couldn't really do it. Do you know what I mean? It's a lovely breakup. It's still in my life now, but it was a bit intense living with an ex-boyfriend for seven months. So then I was like, right, well, I've moved out of that and then moved to my mum's. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I'm looking at moving to London in about two months. So then my plan's just to make up and get some posh dick while I'm down. (laughs) That's everyone's goals. Deep down, we secretly feel like that. We just don't tell anyone. (laughs) Even me, to be honest, I think, in my heart of hearts. (laughs) That's that's interesting because that's like, I suppose that's the sort of the opposite a lot of people had. It was like they're in the relationship and then they need to make the choice to, to actually start living together during lockdown. But you... You were already loving with somebody and then split up. It's like the exact opposite. Yeah, because we, we both want like different things. So it was a genuinely brilliant breakup. So yeah. I'm lucky about that. But yeah, we was, it was, do you know what? It was so nice because it was like, right, well, our contract don't run out till seven months. Let's just fucking power through. And <laughs> um, we'll just, we was like, let's just use this time to become best friends. That's so, so that, nice. 
So then we was like, yeah, we'll stop the sexual stuff and then just become friends. That's really nice. And also, I think when you break up with someone, sometimes you'll miss them. But because you were seeing each other all the time, yeah, you didn't we miss didn't, each other. Didn't miss each other. <laughs> and, and as well, because we, um, we both put a bit of weight on, do you like, as you do. Lots of so, like, Right, well, we, so this last year, we both lost a load of weight and got like in good shape, both of us. But we've we've got our revenge bodies together. So oh, we was like doing that when you spoke with someone, you're like, I'm gonna get really sexy. We did that, but with each other. It was <laughs> weird. So it's like I'd be in the bedroom and then like I'd be like, Is it okay if I use those weights? And he's like, Yeah, I'm done with them. So kind of it was strange. I thought you were gosh. gonna say that you did like an Instagram account of like getting fit together and I was like, Oh, oh my no, god. No. That's no. intense. Both of us was like, let's get sexy for the next person. This sounds quite weird, and my friends were like, that is quite weird. But when he, when we, when we was moving out, and he told me that like um, in between the lockdowns, he was like shagging other people, mm-hmm. which didn't bother me because I wasn't asked. But people think this is weird. I spent a lot of money on him in that thing to buy him new underwear because when we was together. I hated the fact that he'd just had fucking boxes that he's had for about 10 years and he was so fucking unsexy. So if he's going out there now, I don't want him to embarrass himself. So I bought him like, I spent like 100 quid on him and got him like loads of new gruds. Well, he's representing you, isn't he? Because, yeah, you know, yeah. if you're exes, then you're like, well, I just want everyone to know that he does actually have nice underwear. I wouldn't yeah. just that low. And I just feel like whoever he's shagging, you know, he's a good guy and he's, he's all right in bed. I don't want him to be put off by the fact that he's don't buy boxes because he's fucking cheap. <laughs> that is a mature breakup to buy the boxers for your ex, man. What do you both think about the whole shagging about thing? I think I'm kind of out of that now. I've got to a weird stupid point in my life where I fucking hate myself, where I have to like find someone funny to like shag them and I have to be into yeah. the personality which is so fucking shit to say because I'd rather like not give a fuck and just shag about but I can't bring myself to do it. I think it's important to go through that phase you know especially yeah. to like live your life and you know have times of being promiscuous and like we're like I would like to think we're quite sex positive podcast and all that kind of stuff so I think it's like and I think you see it as well when people get into couples really early like on like high school sweethearts and all that and then they really miss having that time in your life I kind of like agree where you're coming from where I kind of feel a bit done with bad behavior or me putting up with shit or me being like that because yeah. I'm like oh it's fine it's casual it's this and I feel like that's a really easy way for people to get out of things being like well why are you upset because it's so casual and I think that comes with you know like sleeping about yeah. so I think I'd kind of had that thought process before lockdown of being a bit kind of like I'm just going to be a bit more aware of what I'm doing but at the same time it has been a long lockdown and it is going to be summer so who knows this might be famous yeah. last words. I always say that, like, I'm going to, because, you know, there is a bit of emptiness, I think, because it's obviously a lot of fun when you, you know, you have one night stands and all that sort of stuff, but there is a certain level of emptiness if you're just doing it for the validation or whatever. But I've found myself so many times, it's like when when you have a McDonald's and then you say after it, you're like, this yeah. is my last, right? Starting Monday, <laughs> no more. I've been like that quite a lot where, like, <laughs> shagging about a wee bit, and then I find myself doing it again, and I'm like, oh, why can't I stop, you know? <laughs> But it's like, Rachel, are you straight? 
Yeah. Right. So it's so it's so easy because if I was straight, I'd get sex. So I'd have so much more of it because you can just have quick sex. Where if I'm getting bummed, I have to douche and my diet. It's planned. <laughs> you do you know need what to I mean? plan it out. I have. So, I've got lots of friends who've said that. Yeah. So it's like you plan it out. So in the planning, you have a lot more time to think, and you think, is it worth it? Probably not. I'll just have a burrito and a wank, and I'm done. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, well, uh, if you want, if you want a burrito and jagging, this is you know, it's a, I suppose it's a sort of Sophie's choice, isn't it? Yeah. Well, this is what I'm going for in my dating life now. Mm-hmm. I'll do right one or two dates, and then we'll get to the third date, and I'll be like, realistically, this is the third date. Let's just be honest. Do you want a bang? Yeah. And if they say yeah, I'll say right. Well, let's have sex first. Come mine. And then I'll douche, everything will be great. And then we can go out, I can eat what I want, have a couple of pints without worrying about someone trying to shove a dick in my ass. Get it out of the way. That's really yeah. wise. That's so scheduling. I'm, yeah. I want to enjoy the date and have some food. Do you know what I mean? And listen, that's not just gay guys. I mean, a lot of time, like, I, you know, I'm sometimes thinking, I don't want to have this dinner because yeah. I know it's coming. Because you're going to be full and all that and then you yeah. still don't feel... It's hard to concentrate on the sex if you're, you know, really needing to go to the toilet, but you yeah. can't because it's embarrassing. It's it's a hard thing. Like, you know, it's that, that's a very good point. I wish more people could be like that, actually. When I'm hungry as well, oh, my God, I think I'm fucking Naomi Campbell. I'm like, <laughs> oh, my God, flip me about. Like, the sex is better because you're starving and you're like, I'm too stoned. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Then you're you're just, just getting shoved about because yeah. you're like, I'm light as a feather. Yeah, so that's why, like, that's why I think we should make it more normal to be like, right, let's be honest, we're going to shag. Not, Don't yeah. do that on the first date, that's well intense. But like, on the, <laughs> if you've had a couple of dates, say, let's just shag before and then we can go out and enjoy our lives. Well, yeah. my, I've got a relative, I'll make it vague. I've got a relative who he would say that he would want to shag first and then do all the coupley things and all that and see if it'll go into relationship because just wants to get that out of the way and kind of see whether or not they're wasting their time and I'm like well that makes a lot of sense and actually one time I met a guy at a party and I was we had a date like the following day and he was like do you want to just come around and I was like yeah I would like to come around so I went around we slept together and then we went on the date the next day to like the planetarium and the science center and it was really nice because all of the yeah. pressure was off yeah I think that's like the best way to do it just get fucked and then <laughs> <laughs> we need yeah. to start a revolution. This yeah. is like, I hope all the listeners are writing this down. <laughs> We're doing everything back to front, you're right. That's it. Well, so have you heard of like cuffing season, Josh? You know, like Handcuff. cuffing season. Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I like how excited you looked. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought you meant. I thought like, do people do that bi monthly now? <laughs> well, that was like a thing you just did whenever you felt like handcuffing history month for yeah. us. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. So uh, a cuffing season is like winter when people seem to just kind of want to like spoon and, and kind of hibernate and cuddle up. So it's like you'll strategically decide to get in a couple then. Yeah. And uh, I think that there's a term called freckling, which is like the kind of opposite of that in like summer, like everyone comes out and they all want to like, I, it's either that they want to be free. So they like 
break up or that they want to get in a couple I can't remember anyway something like that and I do think like summer approaching I think we're all quite like I know I'm quite buzzing for that time where you can just do whatever you want and we'll be allowed to soon. I'm just really excited to meet someone new. This is going to sound so gay. Like, I like I loved my ex-boyfriend, but I don't mm. think we was, like, in love. And, like, my head is like, I'm going to go to London and I'm going to fall in love. I really want, like, a romantic sweep me off my feet because no one's ever swept me off my feet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you're like a little rom-com Dick Whittington heading to London. And like, I like your thinking. I think like that too. Like, no, I want to come to London. (laughs) Yeah, and I feel like because we've got regional accents, yours is probably more desirable than mine. Oh no, I love your accent. Like regional accents in the in London. I've noticed it before. I'm not gonna lie. I've I've had opportunities when people have been like, oh, that accent, and I'm like, this one is (laughs) all. Fucking tramp. All right, whatever. Let's go. <laughs> but um, I want to go down there and, you know, I, and I'll play up. I'll put the accent even more up. I'll be fucking sweeping people's chimneys. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> but like. You're exotic, yeah. you know, yeah. as northerners. <laughs> but I do, I do love. Do you, what do you think of the southern accent? I quite like it. Like, I feel like we've worked with people before and Mark's been like, did you fancy him? And I'm like, yeah. And it's like, it's because he's a little posh boy from London. And I was like, yeah, pretty much. Oh. <laughs> I, I just, I like that as well. It's something about shagging somebody who's like more upper class, you know, yeah, a higher class than you. Yeah. I, That's p- pumping up. I like to call it pumping up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that about Scottish people. You say pumping. Yeah. That's how cute. I wish that like was a Manchester thing as well it's such a cute way of saying shagged <laughs> you can say it though we gift yeah. it to you yeah. it's not actually see if you know the context that Scottish people say and it's not cute it's like you're getting fucking pumped tonight hen that's yeah, how people that say it. it's like it's quite aggressive but I like that <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty to look forward to and plenty to be optimistic for, I think, when things open up, being single and all that. There is a few aspects of the single life that are maybe less desirable, and I think one of them is what gets brought up in this first submission that we've got here. So basically in Taiwan, because everyone is so lonely all the time, they basically set up the restaurants so that you can eat alone. And it's great because you don't have to interact with anyone. And so you've got your wee cubicle, you get your food and you just sit there and nobody bothers you. It's fantastic. So they're talking about the kind of positive side of dining alone. But obviously, like, Josh, you're a, you're a comic like myself. Like, you'll have spent a lot of times doing solo dinners and lunches and all that on the road, I imagine. Yeah, it does not bother me at all. Every time I go to the cinema on my own all the time when I'm gigging, like, I've gone for meals on my own. I don't just sit in my hotel room. I fucking go out, do live your life. Do you remember when a star is born? Yes. I was gigging in Cardiff, right? So at the end of it, I was just like, scryking. Like, full on, just like, ugly crying, like, <laughs> and um, this couple sat next to me was like, are you okay? <laughs> and it was, that was the only time I've ever felt embarrassed that I was on my own, because, like, strangers were like, were you okay? And I was just like, full on, ugly crying. But at least, <laughs> at least then, you're never going to see them again, and then oh, you can yeah. just be like, oh, well, I went with an ex-boyfriend to see the theory of everything, you know, that Stephen Hawking film, yeah. and I went to see it with my ex, and we were on the escalators down, and I I was like more than ugly crying like I was maybe a bit like like I couldn't control myself so it sounded like he'd been really bad to me and he was like 
Rachel, please stop, please stop. And I was like, I can't <laughs> help it. It's the poor man. <laughs> and it, is, it must be a sight though, because it's one thing to just see somebody crying at a movie, but when they're on the, their own as well, part of them must have been thinking, something's fucked up in this guy's life here. <laughs> yeah. And then as well, I always feel like everything's made worse because I've got such a ridiculous vice. And they'd be like, you all right? And I'm like, I'm fine. And they're like, what the fuck is that noise? And I'm like, so, oh God, it's just a, one of many awkward interactions with strangers. That sounds like, it sounds like you're normally quite like relaxed and chill and like you could, you need to live your life and you need to be able to do like do yeah. things on your own. And it's good that way. And I, I think it's good as well, like even like solo traveling and all that kind of stuff that like you just do what you want to do. You don't need to do anything you don't want to do and you can just enjoy yourself. And like it's other people's judgment of you. It's not actually how you feel doing the thing by yourself. That's why I think I find it hard in relationships because I'm so good at being on my own. Like going out on my own does not scare me at all. The thing that I don't mind about it because I've been a lot of solo nandos on the road. I've been to the Cardiff one, all that sort of stuff on, on my travels. But the thing that makes it bearable, I think, is just having a phone. Because you can basically just be on your phone. It doesn't matter that you're on your own because you're sitting there. You know, you look at your phone until your food comes, blah, blah, blah. I don't know how people would have done that kind of thing, though, if they're having to spend a lot of time on their own, going to restaurants and all that, without a phone. Because see, even if you run out of battery or something, all of a sudden then you're faced with the thing of like, oh shit, I need to actually take all this in that I'm actually on my own here. And then all of a sudden you start, it starts hitting you. But the whole time you're on your phone, you never, you don't feel lonely because you're just like, I'll listen to a podcast or I'll go on Twitter or whatever. Well, they could have had those little travel Sudoku books. I mean, it's not really the same, is it? Come on. Just a book, Mark. Like, you could just yeah. read a book. You know? I think the newspaper, a lot of people would have a newspaper or something, but like even then it's hard to know, like, you know, at some point you're going to have to acknowledge more that you're on your own, but you never, you could be anywhere, it doesn't really matter where you are. If you're in fucking yeah. jail, as long as you've got a phone, you can sit. With a newspaper though, I don't know if it's because I've seen too many films, but if I saw a bloke with a newspaper, I'd be like, he's defo perving on me. I don't know. <laughs> like, pedophile. Just kind of looking above the newspaper yeah. with those eyes. Like, mm. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever actually just seen a stranger in a public place with a newspaper, really. No. Oh, and a what? trench coat and a hat and all that. Yeah. Like... <laughs> when I'm on my own, though, a lot of the times, like, I think I'm probably really overbearing to the strangers. Do you, or do like, the waiter or whatever. <laughs> like, because I'm just bored. I'm like, so where are you from? <laughs> like, tell me. That's probably the worst bit about it i probably become really irritating i really think there's no point in like living if you're not willing to interact with people and do you know what i mean like there's so many yeah. like interesting people like you know when people are like oh i love sitting in an uber and they don't speak i find that so uncomfortable like i'd much rather have a wee chat i quite like just the no chat ever because then it's like i need to explain why i'm there myself and all that that's the only part that is awkward like when you go into a restaurant and you say there's a bit of shame when you need to go just a table for one, please. Like, there's, <laughs> there's something bad. Yeah, but, but, like, I always think, like, it's obvious that I'm working. A lot of the times as well, like, you carry a bag with you. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like You've got your yeah. clown shoes on and your, <laughs> your nose. I'm a comedian, guys. <laughs> but sometimes, do you know what? If you eat at a restaurant and then go to the gig, I get too comfortable. I've, like, brushed my teeth in a Weatherspoon's toilet and just... Like, <laughs> like, okay. It's just like, see when you're in it, like, a different city like that for the day and you do that kind of stuff, you do just feel like you're homeless, basically, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> just brushing your teeth in the you just toilet. Feel like you're lost just waiting you just constantly feel like you're waiting for a bus 
when I because I went to drama school I'm like an actor so we would all like be like we're going down on the megabus to London and I'm doing this audition and you'd be like you'd do the overnight one so that you'd wake up and it'd be like seven in the morning and then you'd go to McDonald's to like brush your teeth or whatever mm-hmm. and you'd be like oh the big city and I'm gonna make it and all this kind of stuff and it's so weird because you do feel a bit kind of like uncomfortable because you're just there for the day and you're like people don't know that I've not washed today and you're doing an audition <laughs> but you've like baby wiped your armpits in the toilet and you can you have that memory floating in your head yeah. <laughs> like 16 bars please and you're like this better be fucking worth that I better get it <laughs> I, think, I think when you, you're in that state it's probably better that you no one's around you actually if you're on your own it's actually the best <laughs> way to be <laughs> A big part of being single, I suppose, is is when you're around other couples and often, obviously, you can feel like the third wheel. So this is a a story about somebody who had the third wheel aspect of the interaction sort of rubbed in their face. The time when I felt the most like a third wheel is probably when I went on a kind of misguided trip with a friend of mine and her like recently acquired boyfriend. We went to the park. I was kind of like, oh, it's going to be like a friend's hangout. And yeah, we arrived and we went and sat by the swans and we were vaguely talking about the swans. And I just remember looking out at the pond and then hearing this like sucking and squelching noise beside me and turning around and being like, oh, they're they're making out. I guess that's okay. Um, I'll just keep looking at the swans, I guess and being quiet and of course it was like you know 2010 so it wasn't like I had I didn't have an iPhone I was so I only had like a wee Nokia brick so I didn't even have a phone to entertain myself with and I think we sat in three or four different places where they proceeded to um, make out the entire time yeah and I've never felt more like a lemon in my life that's such a wee shame I have 100% been that little teenage pal I had a friend who she didn't want to see her boyfriend alone she'd always be like oh please come please it's so awkward it's so awkward I think it was like her first boyfriend and I was like okay I'll come but like they were getting off all the time and I just remember one time they were watching Gladiator and we were like sitting in his living room just us three just properly getting off to the point that like it was beyond just getting off maybe and I remember just being like why am I here? (laughs) To be fair though Joaquin Phoenix is in that film and that can get anyone in the mood really. (laughs) Put on his lip, yes, please. Why didn't I just enjoy myself? You know, I could have just been like really, really tunnel vision watching. You see, when you are like with a couple and you're the third person, like sometimes I don't feel like I know what to do because you're like, oh, do you just want your own space or are you happy that I'm here because you're sick of each other? It's a hard thing to know kind of the appropriate time to sort of hang about and then to kind of leave them on their own sometimes. It like depends who the couple is. So like my friends, Holly and Lee, they've been together for 10 years and they've been together since we was like teenagers. Mm -hmm. And like now they're like, they're engaged but they've got a mortgage and a kid or whatever so when i go around to their house i I don't even care if they want me there or not i'm there i've known holly since (laughs) i was five so it's like (laughs) i'll be here until i want to leave and like i don't even care because i know them but if it's like one of the couples where you know one of them more than the other then it's a bit weird if you're really good friends with both of them 
it should be fine. Yeah, yeah, and they're probably loving the company and loving like yeah. a different energy and being able to like actually have something different to talk about. Like my parents have been together 40 years and my mum said the other day that they were chatting about something and then my dad was like, why did you bring that up? And mum was like, I just thought that that would be something that you'd want to talk about. And he was like, all right, okay. Like as if they're being run out of all the <laughs> chat. It's like, oh, I know that you like this thing. So I'm offering it to you. I don't really want to talk about it. <laughs> That's so cute. As soon as like kind of 18, 19, 20 or whatever, like being in a pub and it was like if it was a big group of couples, right? I I I think I always felt a wee bit inadequate if I was like one of the single ones. Do you know what's the thing though, right? You you know, a lot of single people will stay out a bit later and the couples will all make their excuses. It gets to half 10, 11. Okay, we're going to go up the road now. And it's as if they're being sensible and all that. And I used to always think like, you know, they're being all sensible and I'm pure out. But the thing is, they're just going home to shag. It's not like they are some respect, but they're just like, right, I fucking want to get my hole now, so I need to go. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's that's all a couple is. It's just two people who are shagging, and you need to just, you know, you need to be like, oh, hello, nice to meet you, and be all res- as if it's like this pure respectful thing. When at the end of the day, it's just two people that are bashing their bodies together. That's all it is. Bashing. <laughs> <laughs> that's one thing about being single that I don't like is that when I was in a relationship, I did go home earlier, yeah. but when I'm single, I am fucking feral. I'm like, <laughs> so it's not like I'm going shagging about, but it's like for a, for a petite little boy like myself, I can drink most people are now under the table. I can fucking just go. Like, I don't pass out. I can just drink for like 12 hours straight. So when I get on it... You're on it. But when I was in a relationship, I was I was very like, even if I wasn't with him, for some reason, I was like, I'm going home. But I think because yeah. you're single in your head, you're like, I need to make the most of this. I think it's funny as well. Like, you know, when you're single or maybe you're like in a group of single people or whatever, and you have to kind of gauge with when you want to leave your friends. Like, you know, if they're about to hook up with someone or if something's kind of, you're kind of aware, you want to be like a wingman. But also I think it's helpful if you're all hanging out, but it's like always kind of working out the best way to kind of like melt away into the background and be like, okay, you guys, like on you go. And I think me and Mark have found this that like, well, Mark thinks I'm a terrible... I would say that's a terrible way to do it. Okay, you guys, <laughs> on you go. I will leave you alone to go and have sex right I wouldn't say it out loud, fuck's sake. (laughs) Sat in the corner, like, peeking at him, like, putting the thumbs up. (laughs) Go on, well done. Like Like his mum. That's the worst one when you, like, walk by them and, like, do the wee wink. (laughs) No, I wouldn't be that bad, but it's, like, you have to kind of work out when they want left. Mark was actually, Mark's been a very good wingman to me on so many occasions. I wish I could say the same. No, I know. I'm really shit, but I'm shit because I don't, I don't realise like in time or I just get overexcited by chat or if like, if who he's chatting to is like a girl that I really get on with, I'm like, oh my God, best friend. And he's like, um, okay, well, (laughs) I'm a fucking mint wingman, me. Oh, are you? Yeah, so good. Especially for like my straight male friends. Yeah. Because I think as well, like the stereotype is that someone as camp as me only has like female friends, where it's very 50-50 and it always has yeah. been. Yeah. So it's like sometimes I'll go out with like a group of lads, like lad lads. And, um, and then I think like girls are like, you're friends with him. And it kind of makes them look very, like, cool and accepting. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, I have a very camp friend. And we don't care. He's one of the boys. And, <laughs> like, it makes them look, like, more, I don't know, like, emotional. Not emotional, yeah. but, you know, like, less cunt yeah. basically. You're, yeah, totally. a, you're like a Trojan horse for them to yeah. get into the... <laughs> yeah. so, I'm like... 
because because I'm just so fucking loud and love attention. When I'm on a night out, women just literally like fucking come to me like magnets <laughs> and then my mates just stick around and get the shrapnel at the end so actually so talking about third wheels as well right so this next submission is actually on a similar vein of third wheels but it's maybe a scenario that you wouldn't necessarily expect to end up as a third wheel so we'll have a listen to this now I had been chatting to this guy for a while and we set up to go for drinks together. Didn't really hit off shit chat. So he then got a message and was like, oh yeah, my mate's out. Is it okay if he joins us? And I was like, all right, fine. This isn't going anywhere as a date. Maybe we can just have a fun night out. So his mate comes along, slightly better chat, bit of fun, whatever, getting along. I go to the bathroom upstairs and there's like a balcony bit and I come out of the bathroom and I look down and I see both of them making out like full on downstairs i'm like oh okay then so i kind of walk down they've stopped obviously they noticed me coming down the stairs sit awkwardly for like the next five minutes and then the guy i was meant to be on a date with goes to the toilet and i'm like here mate you realize i was meant to be on a date with him best of luck for you both and just paid for the last round that i owed and just walked out do you know what it kind of sounds like maybe but know how like rachel you spoke about this a lot like women have get the, they'll do the emergency text like if it's not going well they'll get the, the power to save them that sounds like that guy was just there he was his emergency winch to like come in and get off with him and get the other guy to fuck. What I think was happening, mm-hmm. the two guys that were kissed, they probably been shagging for about six weeks, but they didn't know like what it was. Mm. And maybe had a little tiff or whatever about it. Oh. And then um and then one of them was like, Well, I'm going on a date, blah blah blah. And then the other one just spent all day full of envy, like, Where's the date? Where's the date? <laughs> and then he turned up and then now they're married. That's why <laughs> I love how you've just seen the Matrix on this one, Josh. (laughs) Yeah, for the guy, it's like, oh, yeah, sorry for the guy. But, like, you know what I mean? It was on the first... I think if anything happens on a first date, I never really feel sorry for him because it's like, well, you got out right at the beginning, so fair enough. I think, you know how you're saying about like getting prepped for a date? I feel like I plan my dates around when I wash my hair. So okay. I'm raging if it's a bad date because I'm like, I this my whole week is ruined. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a bit of a shame for the guy. I think he could have literally been like, let's call it a night, bye, and then started yeah. winching. Like there was no need for the overlap really, unless there was an element of like, maybe hoping there was like something could have happened between the three of them or something, maybe. Yeah, if it was yeah, like, yeah. you know, a little... My ex-boyfriend told me about this threesome that he had mm-hmm. where it was with like a couple. They had the threesome mm-hmm. and then um, like they were all in the same bed like sleeping but one of them like got really like close to my ex and mm-hmm. so then in the mid- he woke up in the middle of the night with them two like arguing. Not supposed to hug him sort of stuff. Oh. <laughs> really awkward <laughs> no lovey dovey stuff here just sex right yeah, That's... Just sex. and then they started like really kicking off so my ex just got his stuff and left oh man oh it's like in the contract no hugging yeah it was weird i used to always go on nights out to polo in glasgow and uh, it would just be like me and all my gay pals and we would just have the best nights ever and it was just honestly like so much fun and then I'd always be like, it would be like my friend and then these two guys. And I'd be like, oh my God, like we're just such a fun group of friends. Like I was like, we're just amazing. And we're just having the best time ever. And we'd be like hanging out outside and then they'd be like, okay, bye Rachel. And I'd be like, oh, are we not all going to taxi? be like, no, we're all going to have a threesome. And I'd be like, okay, cool, cool. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just check out here. But honestly, love you all. <laughs> 
those kind of stories put me in mind this one time, right? So we were all on a night out and it was like my mate was sort of seeing this girl and I fancied her pal and there was kind of a wee thing going on with Kirsten and all that. But they basically had had a hotel room in town. So we ended up all going back to the hotel room. But I always remember it because basically, so my pal and, and the girl he was seeing were on one bed. The girl that I was trying to fire into was in the other bed and I was in the floor in the middle. And that's already a bit of a kind of depressing scenario to be in. But then, like, as I'm trying to get to sleep, all I could hear for the next room, and I think I think because I was in the floor, it was actually the room downstairs, which is why I could hear it. I could just hear this lassie getting absolutely shagged rotten. Wow. And I just said, ah, ah, and I was just like, this is work. one of the worst nights of my life, man. That was brutal. Like, just, it was just, it was just like a pure loud you could just hear this loud sex downstairs and I'm just like that I couldn't be any more further away for that. I had a really weird third wheel experience when um so this was probably when I was at seventeen. I used to stay at my friend's house. So he had a, a single bed and because I stayed so much, there was a mattress under his bed. So he pulled the mattress out and I stayed on the mattress. So it's like two beds in one room, whatever. Anyway, don't know wow he brings this girl back to the house. So I I go on the mattress. They're like downstairs or whatever. I was bladdered, so just fucking slept all the way through. And then woke up in the middle of the night because this girl, they'd obviously had sex in the room while I were there. And I didn't even flinch. Didn't wake up or anything. I woke up because she went to go to his bedroom window to have a cig out the window. Stood on me. So I looked up and a fanny was in my face. Just... <laughs> and i was like "Ah!" (laughs) it was so weird and it's like um, i've always remembered it because i was just like why didn't you just go like just wake me up i would have gone home i would have got a taxi do you know what i mean like i wouldn't have been offended a full-on fanny in your face yeah it was (laughs) Seeing, uh, do you know when you, you've had a night out, you, you woke up halfway through the night and you're a bit like feeling rough and then there's just someone's fanny in your face. That's usually quite a positive evening for me, Josh, I'm not going to oh, lie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a desired outcome, if anything. Yeah. As well, this was when I was closeted, so I had to be like, no, I don't mind vaginas. <laughs> Waking up like, Ugh! I mean, wow, oh, come here. (laughs) There's some scenarios I think that like, you know, you can get through your life being single and you can be happy with all that, but I think there's certain scenarios where it kind of gets a bit of a a magnifying glass on it. There's a light shone on the fact that you're single versus people who are in relationships. And one of those places would be weddings. So this next submission comes from uh, a wedding. The most single I've ever felt was actually at my big sister's wedding. There's only like a handful of us there. And I remember as they were saying their vows and this sort of photographer was slipping around, I was like, oh, fuck. I was here at this like super romantic moment. And up front was my big sister and her very soon-to-be wife. In the front row was my mum and dad. Behind them was my brother and his girlfriend. And then there was me, like, suited up, bow tie on, with, like, a full row to myself. And I remember thinking to myself, I need to look as happy as possible in all of these photos, just so that no one thinks I'm lonely. I think you can be so secure in yourself and love being single or being at a point in your life that you're like, this is so great that I'm single. It's other people being like, 
all like no plus one and it's like oh grow up like yeah, and you want to say to him like your marriage is shit your husband's a cunt <laughs> and you hate your job do you know what I mean? <laughs> Fuck off. I'm having a good life. Suck a dick. <laughs> I get so pissed off when people are like, oh, you're single again. I'm like, listen, I'm doing what I love for a fucking job and I'm not even fair and I've found what I want to do and it's paying me rent. I'm fucking smashing life. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I'm happy, which is the main reason, the main goal. And then you look at you and your partner and you're both fucking miserable. You spent half the night arguing or giving each other little digs. So it's like, oh, fuck off. It pisses yeah. me off. You can know that, like, you can be like, my career's going really well and all this kind of stuff like that. And and it feels frustrating that you have to, like, remind people of that, that that's like, yeah. that, like, just having someone who you have chosen to spend a lot of time with is then a reflection on you and, like, validates you as being attractive, funny, nice whatever the thing is and it is so frustrating and I think it comes out so much at weddings and like you say you're just like are you happy are you as happy as me because yeah. <laughs> something like that like having a career that you're passionate about it's a bit intangible isn't it whereas like a partner is this tangible thing oh well look at me I've got a relationship and all that but I think it's hard in weddings because like weddings are like they're, well they're many be good for meeting people but the ones I've been at I have just felt a bit like the spare prick like that guy in the submission and like I suppose the thing like about weddings is like it's a very couple thing because that's kind of the whole point is like they're basically just a celebration of monogamy and like you know if you're a single happy person you're a kind of threat to all that bullshit that like you know these people particularly if it's a wedding that is a wee bit of a sham like you know you're saying Josh that they don't even like each other but it's like yeah. they're a couple of years into the relationship and what's in it oh get married because that will solve the problems yeah. or whatever and it obviously never does so I think sometimes not not only do you sometimes feel a bit uncomfortable but also like if you can live a happy single life and all these other people have told themselves that they need to be in these relationships and that's what the whole day is about you're yeah. a bit of a threat you're too real for that fucking sham basically yeah. he's saying he's too sexy you you know, it's just too too sexy an option as having Mark Jennings at your wedding. <laughs> But no, no, I mean, definitely know that. But like, because, because, I mean, to be honest, most of the time I'm actually just feeling like, oh my God, what is wrong with me? Will I ever find someone? Like, that's really what I'm, I'm thinking when you see everybody else in a couple. But actually, yeah. the reality is, like you're saying, Josh, it's like you've just made life choices that you're happier with and you're not having yeah. to paper over the cracks of these things. I also think, to be honest, like marriage is a bit of a, a sort of outdated thing now. It's sort of weird and it's like, I, I sort of think it's like a sort of way for like traditional, like, traditional way for societies to kind of temper or animalistic urges to just go and shag about, basically. Yeah. The idea of getting married, I'm not asked about a wedding, whatever, but the idea of meeting someone who will want to be like my husband, the idea of that happening one day, I think that's so lovely because it's not happened yet. Why I never really feel bad when people try and shame you about, like, being single is because about, like, this last relationship... It was really good. Like, we never argued. It, it was lovely and stuff. There was just something missing. But I think 90% of people would have been like, oh, never mind, and just settled down anyway. Whereas yeah. I've openly said, I'm not fucking settling for anyone. And, like, I don't give a shit. Like, I'd rather wait till I'm 50 and have, like, a proper mint romantic love than just, oh, yeah, we get on. He's funny. That'll do. No, like, I want something more. Do you know what I mean? And I yeah. think when you say that, people are kind of saying, more than what you've got, what you've got is shit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so it's like, 
I have seen it with like friends in relationships when I've explained what I want and they're like, oh, so basically like not what I've got. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, so I, was... I find that I have a way that I want to think. So I want to think like I haven't settled and I've not met someone that is the right fit for me and I'm striving for more. And it's not like anything to do with like my own validation and all that kind of stuff. But then we are so surrounded by our shit society and like the patriarchy and all that. Because I mean, the elephant in the room with like weddings is it's like this such an old tradition, like steeped in the patriarchy of being like talking about like heterosexual marriages in this instance of being like, okay, so a woman is the property of her dad and then the dad gives the daughter for a dowry and gives to this next man. And we still kind of got that. So even though we're all modern and we're all this and that, like that is what a wedding kind of is. And you can reframe it and you can redo it and all that kind of stuff. Like, and like taking the man's name and all that kind of stuff. So I think like, it's fine to like want a wedding, but I think you should be kind of aware of like why you're wanting the wedding. And is it just because everyone's getting married? Is it because everyone's having kids at this age? Is it because everyone is settling down? And as well, so many of my friends like talk about getting married or whatever, but I I think our generation, how many of your friends, mum and dads are on the second marriage or whatever, like, so my my mum's been married three times, right? Really? So yeah, she married me dad, then me the second one and now the third one right so she's but she's been with my my stepdad now the third one for Mm -hmm. 20 years so it worked and it was right but she didn't meet him till she was 40 because i've seen my mum you know she got married a couple times made me just think if i do meet someone now and just marry him the the chance they'll fuck up so we've got to learn from our parents. They all got divorced for a fucking reason because we all <laughs> are living longer. So we don't yeah. need to get married in our 20s, really. I know, although yeah. I do have this thing. So I turned 28 recently and I did have this, oh my God, snap. And, uh, and I turned 28 and I was like, oh, I would have liked to have at least been proposed to and then said no, even just to have had a good story. <laughs> I was proposed to. <gasps> Yeah. Tell me what I've, happened. I've got the ring somewhere. You're I'm joking. Let me send it back. It's an awful story. So oh, no. um, this was a couple of years ago. I was dating this guy and I split up with him because he was intense. And we was only together for like five months. And I was like, oh God, this is, you're a lot. So then to try and prove me wrong, three weeks later, he proposed, right, to try and win me back. But this is how he proposed. So I was doing a gig at the Comedy Store in Manchester on the Thursday. On the Wednesday, he went and dropped off an engagement ring with a letter, right? Then just before I went on stage, this was like four years ago, three years ago. So I wasn't a pro comic. I was doing the fucking open spot. I'm so embarrassed, right? So just before I go on stage, one of the people who worked there was like, oh, this was left for you, other comics. It was, obviously, it's an engagement box with a ring in it. And then I opened the letter and I, oh, oh, it was so fucking cringy. But, uh, so then I read that and then I had to go on stage just like, oh, God, I didn't know if he was in the room. I was already a bit like, I've had to tell him a couple of times, like, you're, you're intense, like, back off, do you know what I mean? So then I declined his proposal 
And then, yeah, I've still got the ring, though. I tried to send it him back, but because he lived in a different city, I went and visited the city, but I, I never remembered his house address. I just went to his house, do you know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, he wouldn't give me his address to send the ring back. I don't think it was an expensive one anyway. And then he was like, um, I'm setting up a comedy agency. Can I sign you? And I was like... No. <laughs> probably just as well. You never let him be your agent because if you signed that contract, did I probably realise it was a fucking marriage one yeah, instead? Difficult. <laughs> yeah, magic. But I like the idea of a marriage. That does sound quite lovely, I think, actually. It but... shouldn't be all about the one day and then you actually don't want to yeah. be with that person for the rest of your life. Yeah, but I don't know. It depends. It's just like finding a partner in crime, really. Totally. Yeah. Do you know, um, there was one time that I went to a wedding and I bought this dress and it was like a really expensive dress and I really liked it and I'd like gone, I didn't really spend a huge amount of money at that time because I was like, you know, a poor actor and all that and I was like, but I'm going to spend a lot of money on this dress and it was like quite a strange dress, it was kind of like 50s style and it had like little like printed lemons on it with like blue and then it said like lemon on it all over like that was a print which sounds really disgusting but it was oh, nice <laughs> I have to say it was nice but then I was speaking to my friend who's a stand-up and he was like so you went to a wedding by yourself and I was like well I didn't go by myself I went with my family and he was like and you had lemons on you so you went alone like a lemon and I was like oh fuck I didn't even think of that <laughs> <laughs> As accentuate what you are, Rachel. That's what you need. <laughs> just it's like you know when you go to traffic light parties. It's like just so everyone knows. <laughs> green big green dress on. Green dress. Because <laughs> we talk about weddings. Are you? Are you two? Do you have a bit of the commitment phobe? How How are you? What are you thinking about commitment? Are you commitment phobes? Do you want to go first, Mark? That's a That's a big question. I think bombing <laughs> question of the podcast probably. If anything, but. Uh, I think some people might think that about me. Maybe even ex-partners might think that about me. <laughs> Honestly, I really relate to what you were saying earlier, Josh, about basically not wanting to settle and to yeah. find somebody that you really love and really care about. I've been in relationships where it's, like you were saying, it's like, it's fine and, you know, you could easily just settle down with it, but you're looking for something more. You're yeah. looking for that person that you feel that way. And it's like, is it that much to ask to just want to be someone that you really, really want to be with? Yeah. And if, you, if you've found somebody that, it would be fine, but you sort of think there might be something else out there. I, I think it's worth not giving up and, and trying to, to look for that thing that you're after. And, you know, you worry, you, you wonder maybe it's a pursuit that ne you're never going to get there and you never know if, yeah. you've, if you've knocked back the person that that was or anything. But I think it's, for me, it's a risk worth taking. So that's probably a long way of saying, yes, I am a commitment <laughs> pope. Well, no, I, I don't get commitment from that, really. No. no. I'd, like, I'd like to think if I met the right person. I, if it's I, I, the right person, for me, I asked my friend this. This is so funny. I asked my friend, like, because they've been together ages, I was like, what is, like, proper love like? Because I was starting to think that it just wasn't real and people were making it up and pretending. Mm -hmm. And she was like, because they called Maeve and George and they met at Union. She was like, I would fucking take a bullet for him and he would for me. Like, if it was one life or the other, I would do that. And I was like, yeah, none of my exes. Like, I got on with my ex really well, but if a burglar came in and was like, right, one of you are getting shot, I'd be like, I've got dreams and aspirations. <laughs> like, I would just like, yeah. But I do want to meet someone. I know it sounds really dramatic, but I do want to meet someone who I would take the bullet for. Someone who's sure. like, I would value their life like more than mine if it is a struggle if you would need to really be like 
oh fuck, I'm going to need to take this bullet, then that's when you know it's not right. But see if yeah. you get that feeling of like, I will step in front of them, I'll take the bullet. And, and like yeah. that, we end, you know, when it's doing things, when it's not a chore, when it's actually, you know, it's something you're doing out of loving because you really want to rather than because you feel like you have to, I think that's when it's right. Because I know that I'm capable of that because mm-hmm. these friends that I would do that for, very few, but there are a few people in my life who I would take a bullet for. So I know that it's not like I'm a sociopath and like I don't care yeah. about person. I know mm-hmm. that I care about someone. Yeah. But it's just like I've not find found the right guy romantically to care about. And also I think uh, don't want to bang about being gay, but um right, I always think about it being gay as well, like you two are finding it hard and you're both straight, right? I'm gay, so one in ten people are queer mm-hmm. and then half of them are like gay or bi men yeah. or whatever, and then half of them will be fucking minging and then half of them will be dickheads and then do you know what i mean yeah, the, no, totally. like there's so many straight people get narrowed down there'll be so many things narrowing it down but considering there's only one in ten people are like gay or bi yeah. then it's like what are the chances do you know what i mean yeah. i would call myself straight but like i think that i think that we're all on a spectrum and i think you can fall in love with someone and there's no point in being like well that could never ever happen or whatever but then i was thinking like if i were to fancy a woman it would be so hard for me to gauge whether or not she was interested back like generally if she was specifically interested back in me and then whether or not that was like a if it was like a friendship thing or or a sexual thing and all that kind of stuff and it must be so difficult to kind of like what's the expression that like, kind of like tread the water like kind of work it all out you know like it must be really hard yeah like tough tough to navigate because like yeah because you know, i that's saying we don't want to turn that any fucking lgbt q a with you josh and ask you questions but obviously like on grinder and all that and like you can identify yourself as a top or a bottom or or, or both i guess uh, some yeah. people like, even that must be like because if you're a top and somebody else are, is a top and then so you can't get with them or, uh, when they work so it seems it's, again even narrows it the filter down must be more complicated than that though surely well i've always been I'll, i'm quite flexible because you know i'm talented but i uh, <laughs> like so i've date like my, like my my ex would never bought him so i spent two years being the bottom but like, i'm asked about that. i don't give a shit I'll, i'm just happy to get an invite to be honest so <laughs> I'll do whatever the fuck you want me to do shit. yeah but i do think some people are very like i'm not doing that i'm not doing that and it's a bit weird but that's why i feel quite lucky because like not a lot of gay men would do both well a lot will but like mm-hmm. so if i did meet someone and they was like i only do this i would well actually i don't know now a couple of years like now if they're like i only bottom then i'd be like i don't know anymore because i actually like bottoming but i like the idea of being like the uh, not even the sexual act i like i've always dated skinny little fucking dweebs who were like fucking stick thin and now i'm changing my mind and i'm going for fucking mountains i'm going for shit because <laughs> yeah. i want i want to feel delicate and yeah. as well because i was like i'm so camp and stuff like like part of me wanted to top 
this is like it's just overthinking it but part of me really wanted to top for years because so i can be like i'm a fucking man i, I fuck them do you know what i mean but like <laughs> now i'm less bothered about what people think of me and i'm more comfortable with the fact that i'm camp and this is just who i am i am actually like no i want to be taken care of and picked <laughs> up do you know what i mean so like i think a lot of it is some gay men have like well not just gay men but like loads of queer people have like internal homophobia Mm -hmm. and i think they must be not just me i spent a couple of years being like i'm a top i'm a top but i wasn't i just thought i'm gonna prove say that i'm a top because i get so much shit for being camp that i'm gonna be like no i'm a man as well whereas now i'm like oh listen i take a dick up my ass it doesn't make me any less of a man i'm not asked yeah and like sex is so our relationship to sex changes we change we want to have different experiences Mm. sexually so i think like that's where i because like i've had conversations with friends about this and they've been like saying like it's it's way more than that it's way more than just like top bottom i would say it is that was interesting just because you were saying a bit like that and it's almost like you believed like your pals that oh didn't you believe your case like no no i'm just gonna like that is that's what it is it's like so even when you come out you got you like even other your mates are just like oh you're so gay or whatever and you're like Mm -hmm. i'm a i'm a fucking i'm still a man (laughs) yeah like especially because like when i was younger i because i'm so like camp but like a lot of my backstory and my personal life like is not as camp as the way I present, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, I always struggled with that. So that's why I think I was like, I'm gonna top, I'm gonna top. And, but now I'm more comfortable with myself. I don't care what people think. I actually, now I'd actually probably say I am a bottom actually, which is, I think it's the first time I've ever admitted it out loud. (laughs) There you go, exclusive uh, for the podcast here. But yeah, but it's not even just a sexual act, it's after the sex and then it's like, because I think if you bottom, then you should get spooned. Do you know what I mean? That is, that answer's been brilliant, Josh, and such an eloquently put, insightful answer. However, it has allowed Rachel to completely swerve the question of whether or not she's a commitment phobe. So we'll now go to that. (laughs) I just didn't want to commit to the question. (laughs) Um, I don't think I'm a commitment phobe at all. I think that I would like to meet someone. I I think people would guess that about me. I think I've experienced so much bad behaviour in my 20s that I think I'm quite quick to quite quick to recognize it and and also maybe a wee bit overly cautious that I think that you know if I see some sort of kind of red flags or whatever if I start to kind of think oh I don't like this or this reminds me of someone who wasn't like compatible or right for me then I'm very quick to be like no I'm not putting up with it again because I am like an adult woman and all that kind of stuff so then I think I have that kind of like struggle of do I call it a day too early because I'm like wary of of getting treated badly and then being upset by it at the same time as well i think that some of the guys that i am meeting up with maybe are not the best i'm basically trying to avoid saying comedians but um I'm try- <laughs> <laughs> so I, i've just decided i've got a no comedians uh rule and that is such a there. good rule yeah well i wish i told myself that in my uh, when i was 20 but who cares i've never shagged a comedian oh don't do it as well like there's not as many gay ones really i feel like if i was a female comedian there's a few straight ones i would have fucking gone right through 
So that about covers it for this week's episode on being single and single life and things like that. We'd like to thank a fantastic guest, Josh Jones, for joining us today. Josh, where can people find you online? Um, oh God, I should have picked it. <laughs> um, so I'm on Instagram. I think it's Joshy Jones ninety two, and then yeah, I'm on TikTok, Josh Jones Comedy. And I'm not asked about Twitter. I'm fucking bored of that anyway. And um, <laughs> and I've got a podcast called Dead Drama where I speak about dead people. Oh, my God. Oh, so that sounds a, amazing. It's a history gossip podcast. So each episode is about someone in history. And then I just, like, slag them off. That oh Marie Antoinette was a bit of a cow, wasn't she? Yeah, I've done, I've done <laughs> one on her. Yeah. Vlad the Impaler. I've slagged them all off. Oh my god, that sounds so up my street. I'm like it's gonna go and listen. Oh my god, that sounds so good. Well, check out Josh on social media if you want to catch up with that and all his other videos on TikTok and all that are brilliant as well. And if you have enjoyed today's episode, please do remember to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. You can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to slide into our DMs, then you can get us on Instagram at Debating Dating. Send us any voice notes about things that you want us to chat about, any funny dating stories, anything at all, basically. Or you can send it to our email address, which is debatingdatingpod at gmail.com. So thanks very much for listening, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Yes. <laughs>